This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and joining me across the way is Mr. Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, week zero and week one of the college football season is just about in the books. We have Clemson tonight playing, but most of week zero and week one have concluded. There's a lot to talk about. How are you doing this evening? Football's back. I mean, mm-hmm. we got our last few fantasy drafts running up. We had football this last weekend. Um, you know, it's the matchups usually aren't, you know, anything too crazy this early in the year, but we had a couple really big ones. Um, and they're going to be highlighted um, by some great performances that we get to talk about, too. So this is it. This this is football season. We get we are back. Yeah, and for people who've been longtime listeners, the in season shows is really we've done it as stock reports, which is kind of what it's going to be in theory. You know, in terms of NFL, you know, draft eligible, the Debbie, NFL rookies, dynasty. But we're going to do it a little bit different this year, and we decided that we're going to have segments where we basically give our S to S teams of the week. For week one, we're going to have a first team or a first string, a second team. We want to call it second team, second string. Some weeks, even like this week, because there, there's not much to talk about in the NFL just yet. We even have a third team of the week. Um, you know, so we're going to go through, let it let you know. It's not just going to be straight statistical production, because that's easy. If you just want to find the best stats of the week, sometimes it's going to be based on who the opponent was. Sometimes it's going to be on something that maybe we didn't see on our film during the summer. Or what other significance does it have? And some weeks, we're just not going to talk about the same players back-to-back weeks. Because let's be honest, we could put Caleb Williams as the first-string quarterback for every team in a week from now until, you know, the, the college football season ends. But that would be kind of boring. We know that he was magical, though, before. right? There's nothing yeah. boring about watching <laughs> Caleb Williams. Is no, nothing, nothing boring about it. But, I mean, we can Look, give him his accolades at all times. He <laughs> Because we're going to be able to talk about him in glowing fashion every single week, uh, he would be my highlight team of the week. But because, uh, man, man, oh, just <laughs> the type of plays that he made as a playmaker. Um, the, Well, we'll get to him later on this season. He's not going to be our highlight team of the week. But, Paul, why don't you give us our first string team of the week? Yeah, and, and the first, second, third string, it... The, it's this thing, it's guys that really stood out in a significant way. And if we have teammates, we decide that we're always going to group them together because we're just kind of naturally going to talk about that game and that performance. So like if you see a quarterback from Florida and a wide receiver and they're both on our teams in a week, we're going to group them together just because as we talk about that game and the performance, it's just easier to kind of talk about them in unison. And you're going to kind of see that today. So let's start it out with our first S to S team of the week. This is our first string our first team, and it's going to be started out by Shea Deuce Sanders out of Colorado. He's going to be our quarterback. Huge win by Colorado, 45-42 win over TCU. He was 38-47 of for 510 yards and four touchdowns. Tremendous performance. Our running back on the first team of the week is Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin. They won over Buffalo this week. His stat line was 17-141-2. and two. Really intriguing. He also caught seven passes for 25 yards. Wide receiver first team of the week is Travis Hunter out of Colorado, also in that big win over TCU. He had 11 catches for 119 yards, but he also played cornerback the entire game. We will get more into that. And our first string tight end of the week is Ben Sinnott out of Kansas State. They had a 45-0 easy win, but what stood out is five catches 
for 100 yards. Jeff, let's start with the first team of the week. Anybody you want to bring up there, Sanders, Allen, Hunter, Sinnott, maybe get us started on something that stood out about one of those prospects. Well, I I got a, a chance to watch through the Wisconsin game and, you know, most of Braylon Allen's snaps, but, you know, we can't bury the headline of primetime's debut. And I know you got every snap there. So let's start with Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter. And why don't you give us a breakdown of, you know, their level of play on the field? Because we know the stats are amazing. Yeah, I mean, Shadur Sanders was my number 12 quarterback in my summer ranking show when, when Jeff and I talked about the quarterbacks. And I was already going out on a limb, putting him at number 12, you know, playing last year, you know, small school program. But I loved the traits and I thought they could translate. I wasn't expecting this type of translation in week one against TCU. I know TCU lost a lot of people, but and I know they were a weak national title runner up last year, but it, they still were the national title runner up last year. And Colorado won one game. We saw Sanders have complete control at the quarterback position. And that was something I wasn't sure. I didn't know if he was just traitsy, but we saw a guy who was calm, cool, collected. And those sound like just like trigger words, but it was really what we saw. His first time in a, in a big moment against a better level of competition, the moment was not too big for him. He showed off his arm talent. He had some amazing throws where he showed off his velocity and his strength. He, sh- he had some great throws where he showed the touch and, and the ability to change the velocity to get it to his receivers. We saw him move around the pocket. He didn't really have to do too much in terms of his legs, in terms of running. But we saw the athleticism that is there to move around the pocket, buy time, throw on the run. It was a tremendous performance. We're going to be talking about this guy. Now, listen, he's only a redshirt sophomore. So he could have a great year and still decide to stay there with his dad. Like, this will be a story that we'll see the whole year. I wouldn't even be surprised. But this is a guy that's now on the draft radar. His stock is, is pointing right up right now. It's just one game. And I'm not, I'm not going to go out here like we did after one week last year and, and bring up Anthony Richardson. But we did talk about Anthony Richardson last year after that first game of how intriguing he was. Trigger Sanders, very intriguing. His, his running mate there, wide receiver. I mean, I don't think people truly understand. Travis Hunter played, I think it was 119 snaps. That is unheard of to play both ways. This isn't like, oh, Charles Woodson played a little wide receiver at Michigan. Dion played a little wide receiver. This guy basically was on the field both sides every play of the game at the wide receiver in the cornerback position. You know, and they asked Joe Clatt on the on the broadcast, which position is he better at? And and Joe Clatt was brutally honest to Gus Johnson and said, I don't know. That's how special of a prospect he is at both the wide receiver and the cornerback position. It, w- it was a remarkable performance for both of them. The upset by Colorado, you know, those two guys immediately, the significance of that in their first big moment against a, a big time opponent w- was just remarkable, Jeff. Any any other thoughts on just Sanders and Hunter in general? Or or I know you said you had eyes on that Wisconsin Braylon Allen performance. Maybe take it to there if there's nothing else you want to piggyback on Sanders and Hunter. Well, one final thought on Sanders and, and Hunter was the pace which Dion had them playing. Um, I think is, you know, first of all, an absolute shocker to, you know, TCU. They just were not ready for that level of aggression. And I think that made the game a little bit easier. Made it and that is not easy to you know, play 120 snaps and to sprint to the line every time. I guess what I'm saying is, you know, they caught TCU off their heels. It was a really good environment, you know, 
primetime, like he he set their, that team up for that upset, for that success. So like he deserves so much credit. You know, Sanders and Hunter, they executed that game plan really well. Um, I guess the question is, you know, hurry up doesn't always work all the time, right? And so watching the evolution of him play that quarterback on the big stage um, will be something that I follow as this season goes on. I mentioned it, Braylon Allen, uh, our first string running back of the week. All right, starting off the the lay of the land, you know, the Wisconsin O-line dominated. Uh, it was a poor tackling effort by Buffalo. Uh, his running mate, Ches Malusi, had 157 yards and two touchdowns too, right? But Braylon Allen, he had several runs of 8 to 10 yards before even being touched. What did we see on tape, though? He had his trademark power, finishing ability, and we saw a second gear. He had acceleration well at speed in the second level. That's a little bit of extra burst to break angles. This is something that helps a prospect be special at the NFL level. We also saw him catch the ball a lot better. Um, you know, seven catches is almost half of what he had the entire last season. And he's using his hands to go attack the ball. It's still a developing skill. He's not. The, it doesn't look like he's the most natural and comfortable at it. But if that develops over this year, he can bring multiple dimensions to an NFL field. Just a couple other little notes that I, I saw. You know, he had, you know, really good blitz pickup and, and his, you know, ability to ID and, and sort of chop and redirect rushers. Um, you know, it was a phenomenal game. Um, you know, I think there were a lot of other names that people were getting excited about this offseason. And Braylon Allen was kind of, you know, just taking a back seat to the new hype. And I think what he's really shown is that he has the tools. And, and we mentioned it on our preseason show. He has the tools, you know, to be the first running back taken. Um, especially if this is the momentum that he carries through the rest of the season. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was nice. Again, the yardage for the receptions was, was was minimal, but just the fact that they even felt comfortable like dumping it off to him for seven catches, I I think stands out as making him a little bit more functional in the pass game. Just overall increasing his value, and then the round out the first string, you know, Ben Sinnott. I think what stood out there is the fact that he's a name that I don't think's on the national attention enough. He's not on a lot of Debbie lists. And, and he's a guy who I think already NFL scouts and teams are looking at as a day two tight end prospect. So to come out of the gate, even against an inferior opponent and go five for 100, I think you're going to see a lot of performances by him where he's maybe the leading receiver on his team and one of the focal points. And we don't usually see too many tight ends be the focal point of a, of a college passing offense. I think Sinat's going to be one of the focal points of that Kansas State offense. And we're going to see him regularly put up four catches, five catches, six catches. And all of a sudden, if he stays healthy, you're talking about a guy who's going to put up a really strong statistical tight end college season that we are we not, don't usually see. So I think that's what's intriguing about that. Let's take this to the S2S second string team of the week for week one. We started the quarterback position. It was Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. They had a big win, 56-19 over Boise State. He threw for 450 yards and five touchdowns. Our second string running back of the week is Jocavius Marks out of Mississippi State. They had an easy win, 48-7 over Southeast, Southeastern Louisiana. But what impressed me, 19 carries for 127 yards and two touchdowns, and then four for 59. This was a guy I talked about on the preview shows who was not a guy who I thought was going to be a heavy runner. So that kind of running production really stood out. 
At the wide receiver position, second string team in a week was Jalen McMillan out of Washington. Talked about the big win by over Boise. He had eight catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns and a rush for 19 yards and a touchdown. And then at tight end, second string of the week was Cade Stover out of Ohio State. They won 23-3 over Indiana, but he had five catches for 98 yards. Really impressive performance by him. Jeff, I know you had eyes on that Washington game. I thought it was a, I, I had I had some eyes on it. I, I have some thoughts on Penix Jr. and Jalen McMillan, but but let me kind of let you start there with what you maybe want to share uh, some thoughts on Penix. Yeah, so Michael Penix Jr. First of all, it was a highlight game. Almost all the all his plays were almost all highlights, but. Everything came from a clean pocket in ideal conditions. Um, there was one play where he did have a free rusher to his face and delivered an accurate pass, you know, with with that pressure. Um, but in general, you know, I'm nitpicking, but not elite ball placement. It was good, accurate passes, a good recognition of leverage. He had a couple back shoulder throws to Romo Dunes. He's putting the ball away from the defenders so that the wide receiver can use his body and protect the catch. But my nitpicking is, you know, a couple of the balls weren't thrown ahead of his receiver, right, um, on the run, right, limiting a little bit of the yak ability that could be there if he led his receivers a little bit better. And he had a couple throws just get away with it, get away from him that game. Um, you know, two or three throws just kind of did not know where they were going. I think in general, um, this was a phenomenal game. I think I'm nitpicking when I bring up a couple of these these little minor pieces. But when we talked about him on the preview show, one of the first pieces of information that, you know, I really wanted to see was how does he he's not going to be a mobile dual threat quarterback. We we know his legs are not his primary weapon. And in order to, you know, to win those plays out of structure on the NFL level, he's going to have to be able to navigate pocket, uh, navigate the pocket with a lot of traffic. It's not it's just not reps that we got to see in this game. Um, maybe just a couple quick notes on on um, uh, McMillan here. Uh, just, you know, I didn't get, I got the broadcast view, so I'm not watching all of his reps on all 22. I'm not exactly seeing, you know, every way he wins. But on some of those highlights, he had really good movement skills at speed. He was great at attacking the ball, really good hand positions. Um, he had a phenomenal game. You know, he, he showed yak ability. He showed the ability to get open. Um, one final note that I had on uh, Michael Penix Jr. from like a, a plus perspective is, you know, there was one play. He he had just really good situational awareness. You know, a snap came through. It was kind of a, a, a fumbled snap. He dropped the ball. He didn't panic, right? He he realized that in the time it took to, to recover the ball and get back into the play, he no longer had his first read. He jumped straight into his second read, right? He has an understanding of the timing of the play and where he needs to be at that time, despite having something go wrong at the start of it. I thought that was just a nice play that to, to really highlight as well. That one was a touchdown to uh, McMillan, I think. Yeah, and you know, just kind of piggyback. Yeah, Michael Patrick Schroeder's performance this week. I, I talked about it a little bit. I, I was on Twitter this week, and you know, if NFL teams are okay with the medicals, which we won't know for a long time, right? Once they really, you know, get in there and the combine medical checks and stuff. But if they're okay with the the medicals and they're okay with their quarterback mostly playing from the pocket 
NFL teams are going to be really intrigued with Michael Panix Jr. Because I think you watch him play and he just looks like a seasoned veteran. Like he looks like a five-year NFL veteran. The game looks very slow for him. He's going to be a guy that I think is going to absolutely crush interviews, the whiteboard process, you know, like all that stuff. He, he, he just seems like he has total command of that offense. He, like you said, you talked about a little nitpicking. Yeah, you know, we're that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to find some things to talk about negatively. But it was a really strong performance. They were expected to win, but they were expected to win, you know, by like maybe a, two touchdowns. And some people even thought it was going to be a closer game than that. And they just dominated that game. It looked like they could have put up 80 points if they really wanted to. Like, it was an incredible performance. And Jalen McMillan, you know, uh, uh, one more thing about Michael Panic Jr. I think he's in this really wide mix of quarterbacks mm-hmm. that I think are going to vie for that QB three position. And I honestly think it's like seven or eight names, which is kind of wild on just how strong of a quarterback class this could be. Now, not everyone might come out, right? We talked about Shady Sanders before. He might not come out and there could be some other guys that don't, don't come out. We know Michael Panic Jr. is coming out, right? So like, you know, so he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be in the mix for QB three. And I think that it was a great performance to start the year. Jalen McMillan's a guy who is like, I think it was my either 10th, 11th, or 12th off the top of my head. He was in my top 12 wide receivers heading into this year. The ball skills, the body control, like he showed that a lot this this past weekend. Uh, his running mate there, Roma Dune, is very talented as well. But Jalen McMillan it kind of stole the show a little bit this week. You know, we're, we're fighting the end zone for three times, two catches and one receiving. Those guys are going to put up monster stats. Penix Jr. is going to put up monster stats all year. It's going to be fun to watch that Washington offense uh, because because I think they're going to they're going to be excited all year and they're going to be putting up arcade style you know passing numbers and receiving production uh, for sure. If we take this you know just a quick thought, I kind of mentioned it before that Joquavius Mark's performance what really stood out for me was twenty three touches. You know, when I envisioned this, and I even thought it was going to kind of play itself out in terms of his college season, is I thought he was going to be a guy that. Okay, eight, nine, ten rushes, you know, three to five catches a week. You know, they fed him 19 times this week, and then he still had the four receptions. If he kind of morphs himself into this more complete player where where he he starts showing the natural run instincts and, and the vision and the patience that obviously we know comes with being a successful runner at the next level, we know he's an elite pass catcher he's going to be the best pass catching running back in this class bar none I mean he has like a 70 catch season under his belt but if he starts showing the improvement in terms of the run game and they start trusting him with and we start getting to see 16 17 18 19 carries a week we're talking about a guy who's going to become one of the more complete running backs in this draft class which is only going to increase his stock and and make him a really intriguing prospect and then Kate Stover at Ohio State the tight end listen in vogue is the pass catching tight end Cade Stover represents the dual tight end. You know, all we talk about is the wide receivers at Ohio State who had a very quiet week one. Cade Stover, five catches, 98 yards. He's the best blocking tight end, you know, in college in terms of the the highly regarded tight end prospects. So a performance like that right out of the gate, I think he's going to have a really strong year. If teams focus all their attention on the wide receivers, you're going to see Cade Stover have some of these games where he puts together a really intriguing statistical performance on top of being one of the best blocking tight ends in the country on top of being able to play in line which we know so many of these college tight ends aren't really going to be asked to do that at the next level do you have anything you anything you want to jump in there or should i just take it to the third and, and final team of the week i just had one final note that i skipped over on my michael Penix um sort of write-up and it was just that he picked apart zone coverage like you said he you know the maturity at the quarterback level I mean we see we see it with his experience um but it's showing on the field too 
Yeah, and I, 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 right there with you. You just kind of see it, it slow down for him, and it's an impressive performance uh, by him. So let's take this to the final. And the first thing we're doing here, guys, is the draft-eligible guys. We're going to get to the Debbie team in a week in a second. But third string, S to S team of the week for week one, consists of a couple of guys who played last night. Jordan Travis out of Florida State. Big, big win by Florida State, 45-24 over LSU. He proved for 342 yards and four touchdowns, chipped in with another 38 yards rushing for a touchdown as well. The running back on the third string team of the week is Autrick Esteem out of Notre Dame. They played in week zero and week one, both weeks, almost 100 yards week one in a touchdown. This past week, 116 yards in a touchdown. Talk a little bit more about him in a minute. Keon Coleman is the third string wide receiver team of the week. Uh, that helping in that big win over LSU. He had nine catches, 122 yards, and three touchdowns in his debut performance for Florida State after transferring from Michigan State. And then the third tight end of the week, also from Florida State, Jaheim Bell, 45-24, helping in that LSU victory. He only had two catches for 49 yards, but one was a big for a touchdown. He also chipped in with a rushing touchdown as well. So let's group these Florida State guys together. I watched that game start to finish last night. You know, they started out red hot, and I'm I'm sitting there feeling good about my prediction that the Florida State's going to have an explosive offense. And then the rest of the first half kind of was a little shaky, and my love for Jordan Travis, I started to be like, uh-oh. But the second half, they showed why I think this team is going to be in the hunt for the playoff picture this year, in the hunt to to be one of the most explosive offenses in college football. Jordan Travis, I think he's right there. I mentioned Michael Panix Jr. is in the mix to be QB3 in this draft class. I think Jordan Travis is one of the guys right there with him. After he kind of settled down that first half, there were some really shaky decisions, a terrible interception, a couple other bone, you know, scratch, you know, scratch heading moves by him. But then you kind of saw him settle down, take advantage of those that elite weapons that he has. You saw him and his mobility and his athleticism to make things happen, dangerous in the RPO game. I, I love the accuracy, the ball placement. He's got the arm talent to push it vertically down the field as well. But he's just another guy. I, I almost like him better when he's out of structure than when he's in structure. You know, I, I think he's a weapon when he starts moving around. So I thought it was a, a really strong performance. Like all these other guys we're talking about, they didn't go up against really top-level team. Even, even you know, with, what Shadu Sanders did was amazing. But TCU, I think, is going to take a step back this year. LSU is fifth in the nation. You know, people have high expectations, and they didn't just beat him. They destroyed him in that second half. And, and Jordan Travis at the helm, really impressive. Keon Coleman, he was number four in my wide receiver rankings heading into the season. His, I, I don't see a scenario unless things go really sideways. I think you could put round one in Sharpie when it comes to Keon Coleman. And that's what I tweeted out yesterday. The size, the athleticism, the speed, with those type of ball skills, body control, like his three touchdowns were all of a different variety. The first one showed his ability to, you know, make a big play after the catch. The second one showed his freakish ball skills and body control and the ability to adjust. And then the third one, a shorter, a little bit of a shorter route, again, showed that that body control and ball sk- skills, uh, the complete package. And I, I think we sorted out last night that, like, he's a guy that, listen, I love Malik Neighbors. I love, you know, Ibuka at Ohio State, you know, paired up with Marvin Harrison Jr., but Keon Coleman's size, athleticism, and speed with his ball skills, I think could be in the mix to push those other guys to even be wide receiver too. And maybe it's just week one, but I already love the guy. And you go out and do this against LSU in your debut performance. And to me, 
it spoke volumes on how much of a dangerous weapon this guy's going to be. Team's also got to worry about his teammate, Johnny Wilson. He had a really strong game. That's clearly up some drop issues, though. Uh, but I think Keon Coleman is the player with the much higher ceiling of that duo, and we saw it right out of the gate. And then Jaheim Bell, he's going to be the jack-of-all-trades that they transferred from South Carolina. He's going to be a guy, I kind of compared him to Chiga Conquo. I think you can run him. You can move him out in motion. He can be an H-back. You can do a lot of different things as a versatile chess piece. That's going to intrigue NFL teams as well. And it makes Florida State so dangerous. And we didn't even see our boy Trey Benson really get into the mix and do much last night. You know, when he gets going with the two receivers and the the, the versatile piece in Jaheim Bell, I think you're going to see Florida State be a real, real, pose a lot of difficulties for opposing defenses to try to contain them because they have so many ways you can beat them. Jeff, any, any thoughts on the Florida State trio before I'll, I'll talk about Audrey Gassim a little bit in a second? Yeah, I mean, through the first half, you actually saw LSU is no pushover, right? They, they were a good defense. They were in the backfield. They were covering the receivers really well. Um, so to be able to go ahead and, and play the second half that, you know, that way, it was, it was a really great performance. You know, again, we're talking the, the level of competition here is, you know, top of the class in college football. And, and this is the type of playing we see Travis, we see Keon Coleman making. All right. Jordan Travis, I think just, I, I want to put so much on his shoulders for, for the success here, because as much as I love you know, the, the Keon Coleman's performance, like that does not happen if you don't have the ball placement and accuracy that Jordan Travis had down the field. You don't have that type of performance if you don't have Jordan Travis, you know, buying time, getting to the right platform, you know, making sure that he's, you know, set and evading pressure. Look, the, <laughs> the interception was really bad. That that's, that's But that's the one blemish on his game in my mind. I mean, the way that he used his legs, um, it was very smart. You know, you saw kind of a counterpunch to that in Jaden Daniels um, on the other side of the field where he relied on that a lot more. You know, Jordan Travis, he has that weapon, but he it, it was a club in his back, but he brought it out when necessary to like third and eight to scramble for a first down, right? Keep the defense honest, you know, punish them, you know, when they decide to take away Trey Benson and the receivers and then go ahead and just run right through the middle of the defense. That was a phenomenal performance from Jordan Travis. And because I'm giving a lot of credit to Jordan Travis, I'm going to take a little bit off of Keon Coleman. I know you love him. Um, I would put one nitpick on the, um, you know, completely full, well-rounded prospect. And I think that's the root running side of it. It's not something that, you know, the, the yak um, house call on the touchdown, it was a slant route. It was good, but this wasn't, it wasn't anything that was like, you know, it was a very um, execute on the scheme level. This wasn't something that, you know, was, you know, making a, we weren't seeing Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson style, you know, wins on that play, right? The, the plays down the field, amazing body control, amazing, you know, skills at the catch point, amazing athleticism, right? But he's not, he's, he didn't, on the route running, create extra space to make it easier on Jordan Travis. You know, Jordan Travis just put that ball exactly where it needed to go. And Coleman went up and won it. I mean, that's great. And, and you know, I just think if we're going to talk about, you know, someone on an elite level, those are going to be the things that I, I want to see on a well-rounded first-round prospect. 
Quinton Johnson made it into the first round last year without all of those, you know, refined skills. So, you know, this isn't a, a, a knock on, you know, his potential draft capital, but just, you know, where I think he can grow as a player. Yeah, I think you're spot on there because even like when we talked about him in the summer, his route running, understanding the route concepts, that was not in the strength category, right? You know, so that's where that, you know, as you as as he continues to develop this year, that's the area. I don't think no one no one should ever watch Cam Coleman and be like, oh, like he's not he's going to be athletic. He's going to be he's got ball skills for days. He's got body control. All that stuff. If the route running comes, that's where like if the route running comes together. Now we're talking, OK, maybe he could push to be wide receiver, too, in this class. Maybe he could push Malik Neighbors. Maybe he could push Egbuka. You know, like that's the that's the scenario where, like you said, I think Quinton Johnson is a really intriguing name to bring up because I wasn't a huge Quinton Johnson guy. I liked them, didn't love them. I like Jan Coleman more than I feel like I ever liked Quinton Johnson because I just didn't feel like at times Quinton Johnson played up to that size in athleticism. And I think Coleman does. But in terms of not being the complete player, I think you're right. I think that's where Coleman is right now. So it'll be interesting to kind of see, um, you know, it, how that further develops. And then the last note about the, the last player in the third team in a week, Audrey Esteem. I wanted to bring him up at a Notre Dame because he wasn't in he wasn't in our uh, breakdown when we did the scouting reports in our early running back rankings. He was on my watch list. You know, 5'11", 227. We're talking about a strong, physical, interior runner. You know, so it seems a guy in that offense, you know, I think Notre Dame's offense this year, you know, is going to be one that they're going to be able to run it. They're going to be able to pass it. You're going to see a lot of strong performances this year out of that Notre Dame offense. And if you're, you know, a tough interior physical runner, that's kind of the seems going to be that kind of guy. But he's a new name that I kind of wanted to bring to the forefront because I do think overall it was a little bit of a down week at the running back position, right? We didn't really see any big time performances from from the the, the, the names of you know the the headliners, right? Besides Braylon Allen, the headliner running backs in this draft class didn't have you know a staggering you know staggering performances in you know in in week one of the college football season. A couple of names before we go to the deck, yeah, just like one two final thoughts, right? So Keon Coleman, I you know I. I put Quentin Johnson out there because that's that's fresh in people's minds right now. You know, that's not who I saw when I when he was playing on the field. You evoked Brandon Marshall when you were watching that. You know, the game last uh, last night. So, you know, I it's um, you know that's where if his running gets to an NFL level, Brandon Marshall, Mike Evans, those are the kinds of uh, Demarius Thomas is another one that kind of came to mind. You know, those are ty- the type of players that you know I think you know, he will evoke shades of when we see him on the NFL field. Cause I, I that's bound to happen. Um, and a final note, because you did bring him up just, just briefly, Trey Benson, he didn't get going. I mean, I think that I credit the LSU defense on that. Um, there were just so many runs where he was just hit three, five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Um, but you still saw some of that trademark, you know, net, like decision-making vision, toughness tackle breaking yards after contact tough running from him in that game the stat line doesn't look stellar um you know but but you still saw the type of player that we got excited about um show through against a really tough defense yeah and and i'll say one guy in terms of keon coleman I think the down the field, like the ball skills, body control, for me, reminded me a lot of why I love T. Higgins so much coming out. Like, I think he's more athletic than T. Higgins, 
and, and we'll see how this year progresses. But I think the ball skills, the ability to adjust had a lot of T. Higgins vibes for me. Uh, before we go to the SS Debbie team of the week for week one, a couple names, no discussion really this week that were honorable mention that didn't make it that we felt the need to at least bring up. Drake May at the UNC playing without his new number one wide receiver this past week. UNC had a really strong victory against South Carolina. Drake May had some moments, you know, some uh, some poor decisions, but all in all, it was a really impressive performance by him. At the wide receiver position, we mentioned his name before, Roma Dunes. Really strong performance. It's just McMillan kind of found the end zone, so he was on our team in a week. But Roman Dunes, a guy who we're going to be talking about a lot all year. And then I wanted to bring him up. J. Michael Sturdivant at UCLA. He's coming, folks. As Dion says, we're coming. J. Michael Sturdivant's coming. First performance at UCLA. I think it was like five for 136. Really impressive. You're going to keep hearing more and more about his name, and he's going to continue to intrigue people. And then uh, the tight end position, Luke Lachey uh, out of Iowa, the next in probably the lineage of the tight end position. Uh, he had a strong performance this week as well. If I take this to the Debbie S to S team of the week for week one at the quarterback position. It was Drew Allar out of Penn State. Big win for Penn State over West Virginia, 38-15, 21 of 29, 323 yards and three touchdowns at the running back position. Back to that Colorado game. Dylan Edwards uh, had a big role in that upset win by Colorado. Six carries for 24 yards only, but five catches for 135 yards and three touchdowns, including the game winner. Zachariah Branch at a USC. Had big plays in both the wins over Nevada and San Jose State. Four catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown in week one. One catch, 22 yards, and a touchdown in, in week, well, the first one was week zero, then week one. And then Deuce Robinson out of USC. Uh, didn't do anything in week one, but in week zero, three catches, 44 yards. What stands out about him, he was a top tight end recruit on rivals. 6'6", 230-pound move tight end type, uh, already getting in the mix there. Jeff, any thoughts on any of the Debbie guys? Usually the Debbie guys we won't go into as much depth on, but is there anything about these guys that, that you want to talk about? Well, look, I think seeing, you know, really strong play from Drew Alar is, is encouraging because, you know, we he's got the hype and, and we really need to just, you know, see a really strong foundation to support it, um, you know, especially because, you know, I think he's the headlighter of that next class. Um, which, you know, we're really excited about all the quarterbacks this year. Um, and I think it's a little bit thinner, uh, when it comes to his class. And so he could be the, he could be the top guy, the headliner, and to be able to come out strong like that, it was encouraging. Honestly, the, the one name that I really want to highlight, I mean, you know, I talked, you know, we talked at the beginning of the show that Caleb Williams is, you know, an insane ma magician, but you know, he's got a stage partner in Zachariah Branch who has special traits you know the way i think he even had a, a kick return right I, I don't know that that got um uh on the stats that you listed out but you know his move we're not seeing gaudy stats like uh you know from our our team of the week at the start but those are coming and if they don't come this year it's go he's going to explode and he's He's going to be, I think, a, you know, the top Debbie receiver by next year. Yeah, I mean, the explosiveness. I, I feel like we haven't seen an explosive playmaker at USC. I mean, they've had good playmakers for sure. Very good. We haven't seen an explosive player like this at USC since Reggie Bush. 
and like that, just the, the movement skills, what you're talking about, the instant acceleration, the, just how much of a dangerous weapon he is in the open field. Uh, so Zachariah branch is, is a guy, if, if he's available or if he's a, if you can get him on your teams now in Debbie, now's the time to do it because I think you're just going to continue to see his stock soar and soar. Uh, the guy I kind of want to talk about is Drew Alar out of Penn State. I think you're talking about, you know, this year it's Caleb Williams and Drake Matt. Like, those are the guys. I think you're talking about next year at this time, we're going to be talking about Drew Alar as the clear potential quarterback one of the 2025 NFL draft. If, in Devi, if you want to put him third after the top two guys this year, I think that is 100% valid. I think that's the type of prospect we're talking about here. Uh, so really impressive performance by him, 325 yards, three touchdowns, like I said. Uh, you know, I thought that Penn State game might have been a little closer this past weekend. You know, they, they handled West Virginia very easily. And I think you're going to see Alar have some monster performances this week and just kind of elevate his stock even more, uh, maybe in the national eyes. I know the Debbie community, you know, knows about him and is high on him. But I, I don't think people, you know, last year at this time, people knew Caleb Williams. People knew Drake May, like, even if they weren't into Debbie. I, I think Drew Alar's name is going to start garnering similar attention to what have the same way we were talking about Caitlin Williams and, and, and Drake May. I don't think he's at that level of player just yet, but I think he's going to be the guy that, that we're looking at for 2025 as, as, as one of the top quarterback prospects. And he came out of the gate with an impressive performance. And then Dylan Edwards out of Colorado, just the versatility and, and, and being that kind of weapon out of the backfield, you know, that was week one here for Colorado I, I think we're going to see a lot more from, from Dylan Edwards this year. Obviously very undersized, 5'9", 170, you know, but but the performance he put on this week and his, his playmaking ability and his ability, you know, to be a weapon catching the ball out of the backfield, I think if, we're going to see that a lot this year. Yeah, especially if that's the um, the type of offense they're going to run and they're going to go at that pace and they're going to go at that, you know, that play style. Like there's going to be opportunities for him to break those, those big plays again. And then I, I think just you know, one honorable mention. So, you know, Matt wanted to join us. He's coming back. I can't wait to get him on here, you know, but he's got a, he's got a crush, you know, you know, he's there for those, you know, that recruiting class, that, that entering Debbie class and, and the quarterback class coming in this year, you know, we have a ton of really big names and one that sometimes lost in the shuffle is Dante Moore quarterback at a UCLA who worked his way into the field. Um, you know, just, watch that because you know he could be taking over and taking a spotlight by the end of this season yeah he's a, he's a guy that you know very exciting you know i think he's going to be one of those guys that the Devi community just is raving about and and has you know very much at, at the top of their their qb ranks for sure and i think he'll just continue to slowly move up those rankings as, as we see him play uh final thoughts jeff NFL season kicking off in about five days, four days. It's 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 exciting. Well, Thursday night even even sooner. Uh, we haven't talked about the rookies in quite some time. Uh, I'm intrigued to kind of see where this goes. I mean, we got three: Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, all starting. You know, we'll you know we'll see how much what type of offense that the Colts are running there with Anthony Richardson. We'll see you know Young and Stroud and and how they look to get going. I, I think the preseason you. We'd be foolish if we didn't say stock up at the quarterback position on Aiden O'Connell. He he 
flat out was unbelievable for the Raiders. I know it's preseason, but he's a guy in deep dynasty leagues. I get my hands on Aiden O'Connell if it's a super flex and, and, and you can get your hands on him for cheap. I, they might have found a little bit of a diamond in the rough there. I, there were always people higher on Aiden O'Connell than me. Uh, but but what I saw in the preseason, you know, he might be that guy. If Josh McDaniels can save his job there, uh, I think Daniel O'Connell might be a guy who can really run his offense, you know, to the T. Uh, so I, I'd keep a close eye on Daniel O'Connell and then kiss stocks up at the running back position. Uh, listen, Devin A-Chain might get asked to carry a heavier workload and get more touches off the gate with Jeff Wilson hurt. So that, that excites me as someone who's been a, an A-Chain fan. We'll kind of see how that Charbonnet, you know, Ken Walker situation starts out the season. Kendrick Miller dealing with another injury, which is kind of unfortunate because with that Kamara three-game suspension, he might have had an opportunity to kind of really push his way into some playing time if he looked good those first three weeks. So we'll see if he gets out there. Uh, it looks like Roshan Johnson has solidified the RB2 job in Chicago uh, ahead of Dante Foreman. So that's something to keep an eye on. Ty J Spears looked great uh, during the preseason. We'll use Vaughn, our boy, looked great in the preseason. We'll see if he comes out of the gate with some touches in that Dallas offense. Tank Bigsby looks like he's going to be heavily involved with the first team right out of the gate in, with that Jacksonville offense. And then Evan Hull, you know, we'll see about that Indianapolis situation, but he, he's a deep guy that, you know, if if Zach Moss is the only guy and Deion Jackson, you know, you know, if they don't sign a veteran, Evan Hull might get a chance sooner rather than later. Jeff, anything with the quarterbacks or running backs there, you know, names I mentioned or somebody else uh, before I give you a name or two at the tight end position and the wide receiver position? Yeah, so first, um, Aiden O'Connell definitely, you know, play that changed my mind, right? That I think that first and foremost is the most impressive thing um, to to change my mind by seeing what you take to the NFL field. You know, we've seen great preseason performances before, but like that is the first step. Um, and, and I think just, absolute credit to him i think he's probably the star of the preseason in my mind um especially because he's doing it at the quarterback position look you know the hype train has run away um on jameer gibbs farther than even i was going into the season yeah i was really high on him i wasn't expecting the lions to take him in the first round i wasn't expecting the fantasy community to you know crown him as austin eckler but that is kind of what the expectations are around Jameer Gibbs right now. Um, and it could be, it could be really exciting. I think that's a little over our skis a little bit. Um, I, you know, that's not, that's not how I would set my expectations. Um, but that is definitely in the realm of possibility here. Um, you know, maybe, it, you know, I'll, I'm going to take it to the wide receivers because sure. there's, there's one name that if, if I'm going to, you know, plant a flag on a guy that is is my buy now because i don't think i don't I, this is the cheapest he will ever be is zay flowers i am he's by far and away my target at those wide receiver positions now i know jackson smith and jigba deserves that level of of respect as well but i don't you know i think everybody's getting him that level of respect and i think zay flowers i love rashad bateman I love Mark Andrews. I love Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson, but I think Zay Flowers is just going to run away with it, you know, with it on that Baltimore offense with Lamar Jackson. And that's my, that's my name. That's my target. If you can get Zay Flowers, you know, that's going to be my, my goal going into week one. Yeah. Listen, Zay Flowers, you know me, I've been a big fan of him, uh, you know, since the whole process, he, 
I know that I don't like to even say the name, uh, but you know, he, he invokes what we saw Antonio Brown in terms of just his natural movement skills. Like obviously it doesn't mean he's going to have that level of success, but you know, we'll tremendous separation quickness and, and rat running ability, uh, you know, by Zay Flowers. Other things, the wide receiver position that I think have changed a little bit in the preseason. Marvin Mims is going to get an opportunity in Denver to get a lot more media playing time with the Tim Patrick season and an injury. Sounds like Jerry Judy might be on the shelf a lot longer than maybe we thought after his initial injury. So Marvin Mims is going to get a chance right out of the gate to, to, to play a factor. Uh, Puka Nakua is going to get a chance, I think, as a, as a late round guy to get an opportunity in that Rams offense. You know, Cooper Cup, we'll see when he's when he's full to go. But it sounds like Nakua is going to get a real opportunity to be in the top three wide receiver mix there uh, for the Rams. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, Giants wide receiving crew, a little crowded, and but not overly abundant in terms of high end talent. I think they're going to get him involved pretty regularly. I don't think he's going to be a full-time player or anything, but if he plays 25 snaps a game, I think they're going to find some ways to try to unleash that potential early in his season. I'm excited for week one. I think he's going to get, I think he's going to get digs on a big play. Uh, Diggs is a great corner, but he, he physicality is his game. I think he could be, be big. Uh, that's my long shot call. I think Jalen Hyde's going to get, you know, Trayvon Diggs uh, for big play on Sunday Night Football next week. We'll see if we come back and talk about that next week. Uh, at the tight end position, it's kind of been, you know, ho-hum. I think Dalton Kincaid's going to be mostly used as like their slot wide receiver and heavily involved. And Luke Musgrave pretty much exclusively running with the ones uh, in Green Bay there. I think he's going to get every opportunity, you know, to be heavily involved right out of the gate. Same thing with Sam Laporta, but we kind of stored that on uh, writing on the wall right after they were drafted. So, Jeff, any final thoughts or let's wrap this up? I think we can wrap it up because I think football this next weekend is going to say way more than we can right now and for more certainty. Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, week zero, week one of the college football season in the books. Excited to see the NFL season kick off and where things go with week two of the college football season. This is going to kind of be the format of our shows, these teams of the week, you know, and then we'll we'll include the NFL rookie team of the week, um, you know, so it'll be fun doing that as well. So on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.